directed at wrongdoing with focus on retribution, wrath. And for anger, the word thumos is used. And is used 18 times in the New Testament. Its meaning is a state of intense displeasure, anger, wrath, rage, indignation. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 uses both. Let all bitterness and wrath, thumos, and anger, orge, and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Wrath can be used positively as in righteous indignation or negatively as in having a hot temper or rage. We must be careful in our understanding of what wrath is. And we'll look at both sides of that, positive and negative, and we're going to look at it from the standpoint of God and God's wrath. And we're going to look at it from the standpoint of man and what the Bible tells us about man's wrath and how we are to control it. But first of all, we'll begin our lesson tonight with the wrath of God. I'll preface this by saying that many people believe that God is a loving God. And I don't disagree with that belief. But we do read of God's wrath. And it's important that we have an understanding of how it is used in Scripture. On many occasions, man has provoked God to wrath and or anger. I want to look first at the giving of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 32, and beginning with verse 7, and reading through verse 10, we read this. Exodus 32 and verse 7. And here we read that Moses is on the mountain. He's receiving the Ten Commandments. And in verse 7, the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it, and sacrificed to it, and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation." Moses pleaded on behalf of the people, and God spared them. But his anger was kindled against them. Read of another instance of God's wrath in 2 Kings chapter 22. In finding the book of the law in the days of Josiah, we read this. In 2 Kings 22 and verse 14. So Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Asaph went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, the son of Harhath, keeper of the wardrobe. 
she dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter and they spoke with her then she said to them verse 15 thus says the Lord God of Israel tell the man who sent you to me thus says the Lord behold I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands therefore my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched though this punishment is reserved for a later time after Josiah's death God's wrath was stirred against the people because of their continued disobedience. We see God's wrath and the plagues upon the world, or <laughs> upon the flood upon the world. When God cleansed the world by the flood in the days of Noah, upon Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Abraham, and against Pharaoh and the Egyptians in the plagues in the days of Moses, we see that God showed his wrath in many occasions in the Old Testament. God is a loving and merciful God, no doubt. We read of His love and mercy throughout Scripture, but it doesn't change the fact that His wrath and anger are also stirred. His wrath and anger over evil and those who perform it is also evident in Scripture, such as we might be toward peers. We might be loving toward a friend or a family member on many occasions, but have they ever provoked you? Have they ever done something that would cause you to be angry at them? God is a loving God. But we're very similar in many ways. We are created in God's image, after all. But just as God is loving and merciful, He is also angry. And He does unleash His wrath at times. God's wrath is executed upon ungodly and wicked men, as we read in Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them for since the creation of the world His invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse because although they knew God they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, verse 28, to do those things which are not fitting.
there's plenty of evidence for us to believe that there is a God. Verse 20, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. And yet, many people have turned away from serving Him. They have created other gods and other images and things of, of which to, to put in God's place. They have turned an in, incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Verse 23. And as they did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. God's punishment of sin is seldom experienced immediately, though there are always consequences for our actions. Look with me at Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verses 11 through 13. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 11. Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, nor will he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he does not fear before God. Since their lives are not immediately affected by their sins, they continue in them more and more. I'm reminded of the words of the song that we sang a moment ago, farther along, written by W.B. Stevens. Tempted and tried, we're oft made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long while there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong. When death has come and taken our loved ones, it leaves our home so lonely and drear. Then do we wonder why others prosper, living so wicked year after year. As we've talked much about in the last few weeks, 2 Peter chapter 3, there are many people who believe that Christ has delayed His coming. And so they continue in their wicked ways, thinking that, that He is not coming. But we know the reason, because of God's love for mankind. He's unwilling that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Chapter 3 and verse 9. Because of their continued disobedience, those who do live wickedly, those who do live in such a way as to bring displeasure to God, to bring dishonor to His name, those who live in the ways of the world will experience the wrath of God one day. We can certainly be assured of that. In the words of the, another song that we sang a moment ago, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom. Trumpets will sound. 
I've heard versions of that song where the words many will meet their doom are changed because it's not a pleasant thought. But we can be assured as we've been shown in Scripture that God's wrath will be upon them. God's wrath is upon those who do not desire repentance. And that wrath will be shown eternal. Notice what is said in John chapter 3 and verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 30 and 31. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. And certainly we are reminded here that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And notice here that the length of punishment and reward are equal. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Just as we seek a heavenly reward at the end of this journey, there are those not seeking that reward. Or even those seeking it in the wrong way who will experience an everlasting punishment. That's a sad thing. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine eternity. I've tried. But it's even harder to imagine an eternal punishment. But that's exactly what is stated in Scripture. But there is a ray of hope. Those willing to repent and obey the words of God can be saved from the wrath of God. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. We read this. Romans 5 and verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then. Having now been justified, just as if I'd never sinned, Having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. If we live wickedly, we will experience an eternal punishment. We will experience the wrath of God. But we don't have to. Even though we are sinful creatures, Christ died 
for the ungodly so that we might be saved from wrath through Him. Christ died so that we might avoid the wrath of God. We've talked much about the wrath of God, but I want to spend the rest of our lesson tonight on the wrath of man. There are times where we are angry and maybe we are wrathful towards someone. Again, there are two ways to look at this. There's a positive type of wrath and there's a negative. Anger in human form is not always sinful. It's not. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 26 and 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. It is possible to be angry and not go so far as to sin against God. Anger exercised in the right way can encourage faithfulness and willingness to stand for God. Notice what it said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 11. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. You sorrowed in a godly manner. And he uses those words, indignation, zeal. But we have to be careful of our anger. We can't allow it to lead us down the wrong path. I'm reminded of the letter written to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 and verses 2 through 4. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have preserved and have or persevered and have patience and have labored in my, for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. I know your works. That you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And have found them liars. They had zeal. But their indignation, their anger, their wrath was not in the right way is they had forgotten to love. They had forgotten their love for God and I believe also their love for man. And though they had labored zealously for the Lord, they had abandoned love. And that was something to be corrected in that church. So we have to be very careful 
with our anger. If we are angry, use it in the right way. We don't have to sin. But let's use it in a loving way. Let's use it in a godly way. We are taught in Scripture to be slow to wrath. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Man is encouraged to do more listening than speaking. Oftentimes we have a tendency to run this little thing right here. Instead of using these. I'm guilty of it myself. We have to be very careful. The words here are very serious. Be swift to hear. Hear first. But be slow to speak. And slow to wrath. Have you ever thought about how this applies to the leaders of the church? The leaders of the church must be of this mindset. Swift to hear, so to speak, so to wrath. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 7. 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 2. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Verse 6, not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Take note of some of the qualifications that are listed here that are important to our slow to wrath concept. He must be temperate and sober-minded. He must be gentle and not quarrelsome. He must have a good reputation. I remember the story of an elder who was the head of a company and, and his employees knew his standing in the church and they also knew that he had a, a hot temper. And they would provoke him just to see him fly off the handle. He didn't have that good reputation for those who were on the outside. One with an easily kindled temper will not serve the flock well. The wrath will get the best of them. We're also reminded of the fruit of the Spirit. These are things that are taught to all Christians. 
Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. When man is in control of himself, God is glorified. But when man loses control or allows another, Satan, to gain control, he is no longer pleasing to God. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There's a way to be angry, but we must not allow it to lead us too far in the wrong direction. If it keeps us zealous, that's good. If it keeps us serving God and helps us to do better, that's good. But we must remember to love. And we must be in control of ourselves at all times. That's very important in regard to the wrath of man. I don't know where you stand tonight. I don't know if you're a faithful child of God or not. Maybe you need to obey the gospel. Maybe you need to come back in repentance, asking for forgiveness for something that you've done, or maybe asking for prayer on your behalf. But certainly... We offer the invitation. We always offer the invitation. Because we never know the hearts and the minds of the individuals that are gathered. If you're in need of responding to the Lord's invitation tonight, we'll give you that opportunity as we stand and as we sing. 674. There's a great day coming, a great day coming. There's a great day coming by and by.
closing song will be number 436. 436. Nearer, still nearer. Number 436. privilege of being able to gather here tonight to study from your word together. 
We pray, Father, that you would continue to bless us as we go throughout our lives, as we go throughout this week. We pray that you would help us to be better Christians, be stronger, to be more zealous for you, to, to teach your word to those who are lost and to bring them to you. And Father, we pray that you would be with us as we leave this place, that you would give us safety as we go to our homes, that you would allow us to gather at the next point in time if it be your will. And we thank you for your son and for his sacrifice for us. To him we pray. Amen.